This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, please check us out on Instagram and Facebook and rate and subscribe to this podcast and uh, do the same if you can. Follow us on all of our social media. As you can see from the video, we are still in the original Lawfather headquarters. Uh, I know I've been saying we've been going to move now for three weeks and it's finally happening. This is the absolute last show in the original Lawfather headquarters. We will be in new Lawfather headquarters uh, next episode. Uh, if you want to come visit us, it's 202 South Rome Avenue, Suite 150. That will be the new home to Lawfather headquarters. So without further ado, let's get into the show a little bit. Let's look into uh, kind of an important topic, uh, and we're going to be looking at things from the personal injury side today. And as a business owner, I am concerned with liability for businesses, uh, but also concerned with the injury aspect. And as I've mentioned kind of over and over, a lot of times when we talk about different legal topics, the story doesn't have a good ending. Okay. And, And I feel like I say that a lot, and it's really an unfortunate side of the business, right? Uh, you know, I think I've mentioned it before. My entire professional career has been uh, involved with dealing with things that are are never anybody's highlight of their life, right? Uh, as a deputy, you're never dealing with anybody's highlight. Um, I don't think anybody truly strives to be arrested. Uh, there may be a few out there who that's their goal in life, but for the most part, it's a bad day right for that person and generally speaking on the legal side of things especially in personal injury side we're dealing with the negative okay uh now luckily uh i still do a little bit of sports law and generally speaking that's positive so it it helps lighten the mood but we're generally dealing with the negatives in life so here's how this story goes two guys go into a bar Okay. Uh, I don't think they went in together, but they were regulars at this bar. It was in Pinellas County. Uh, Some of you may have heard the story uh, in the news. Uh, It came out, I believe it was a year or two ago that this story happened. Well, actually, we've been with most of the bars here shut down or somewhat non-existent for the last eight, nine months. So it's probably closer to two years than one year. But anyway, uh, one of the guys is black. One of the guys is white. That's going to play in uh, later on in the story. But both of them are regulars at the bar. And there's there's nothing that I know of that says that they went in together. There's nothing that I know of that says that they were necessarily best friends or friends. Uh, but from all accounts, they knew each other. They were regulars enough at this bar. Uh, and it sounds like it may be kind of a hole in the wall bar, if you will. And regulars enough that they knew each other. So people must have seen them talk to each other in the past in the bar. And the bartenders knew both of these guys by name. And what we're going to look at is when does a business's liability stop? When does a bar's liability stop? Or does it stop? Okay. Uh, There's multiple different aspects to this. So we're talking about a bar. So we're talking about alcohol. So keep that in mind as we're going through because certain things can key in when we're dealing with issues with alcohol. Okay. So these guys are at the bar. Bar closes at 3 a.m. They go and from the accounts, the employees walk out of the bar and they walk one way and these two individuals walk and they go another way, right? Now, what we don't know is what happened as they were leaving the bar. 
Were they talking jovially? Were they arguing? Were they physically fighting? Okay. Or was it appearing that they were going to physically fight as they're walking out? Okay. So what we know is the employees go one way. These two individuals go another way. This bar's in a strip mall. Okay. So the bar doesn't own the whole place. The bar doesn't own the whole parking lot. As they go, they then get into a fight and it ends up with one of them being killed. Okay. It was an, about an hour and 19 minutes, I believe, that they were able to find on some security camera footage. All right. And what it was, and, and this is where the racial aspect comes into play. Not that I'm trying to make it into a, uh, a racial thing, but the black man was the one who beat the white man, beat and killed the white man. And, uh, he called him a white MFR. Okay. And that comes into play on the criminal side. I don't think that necessarily comes into play on the civil side, but that's going to come into play as, uh, what criminal law they would talk about as an aggravating factor. Okay. Uh, I don't know if they're charging as a hate crime. I'd have to actually look at the statute to see if it fits the mold. It might, it, that might be enough. Okay. To fit that mold, but long story short, two guys leave a bar. They get in a fight. One guy dies and the bar is in a strip mall. Okay. And it's after hours. And this thing lasted an hour and 19 minutes. The family of the individual who died has sued the bar. All right. So where does the liability for the bar end? Okay. Almost also, where does it begin? And I think we have a multiple part thing here to look at because it's not just about the fight. Okay. It's not just about, did the bar have enough security? There's many, many more aspects to this. And from what I know about the complaint, I think maybe a big aspect may be being missed. Okay. And I, I think it's a very weak argument to look at the bar and go, Hey bar, you're liable for this act. Okay. You're liable for this act due to lack of security. All right. Now here's the thing in Florida, businesses are very well protected. All right. We get slip and fall cases all the time and slip and fall cases are somewhat difficult because a lot of the legal aspects out there protect the businesses. Hey, great for me as a business owner, right? Somebody walks in the door of the law firm and slips and falls and, and you know, it was from a puddle that had been there five seconds before they walked in the door and nobody knew about it, right? Protects me. Think about more likely a grocery store, right? Someone spills milk in Publix and it's there for five minutes and then someone comes by and slips. Hey, probably not going to be a very successful suit, right? Now, as we look at all of these things, one of the things we really do need to consider is a lot of times how these cases get resolved come down more to a business decision by the insurance company than it does the true legal merit behind it, right? So that same slip and fall, pick any supermarket, right? Where you have a, a, a gallon of milk that's been spilled and it's been there for less than five minutes, let's say. The insurance company still may pay out because it's cheaper to pay out than potentially lose at trial. Because a lot of the aspects when you're talking about this come down to what the jury says. And you can have three different juries, all with different people, give them the same set of facts in these cases. 
and you come up with three vastly different results. Okay. So that's really important to keep in mind. So as we look at this, right, knowing that businesses are pretty well protected, where does the bar have liability in this fight? So let's break a couple things down. One, it's in a strip mall. The bar is a, a renter within this strip mall. Okay. Yes, they have a duty and an obligation to their business invitees. Okay. And then business invitee, that's it's a legal term. Okay. And, and I try to avoid a lot of legal terminology, but sometimes you can't. And what a business invitee is, it's hey, you're coming into this business for the purpose that this business is designed for. Okay. You're not a trespasser. You're not somebody who is there illegally. And that's important. Okay. That's, that's an important thing because a business owes a duty. Okay. They have an obligation to protect, at least on some levels, to protect those people who are at the business for its intended purpose and are there legally. Now a trespasser business has a lot less of a duty to protect that trespasser because that trespasser is there illegally. Okay. So let's not lose the forest through the trees here and let's focus on what we have. So these two individuals are at the bar. They were there legally. They leave the bar. They're on the same property, but the bar doesn't own the property. So where does their liability end? I would say somewhere within the vicinity of where you would expect somebody to go. Okay. Now, what is not specified is where exactly this incident took place. Did it take place on the side of the building? Did it take place behind the building? Did it take place on the entire opposite end? Okay. Is it more of a problem for the person who owns the property? Possibly. Okay. Here's what we would look at. What's the lighting situation? Are there enough lights? Right? Because if we take it, take it down and break it down, and we look at these things, this was a fight. This was what's called an intentional tort, right? So an intentional tort is something like a fight where it was done intentionally. It wasn't something that was, in other words, by accident. Somebody did something on purpose, right? The one guy punched and kicked the other guy for an hour and 19 minutes. That wasn't an accident. That was something he purposefully did, okay? Most insurances, when we're talking about insurance for businesses, don't cover intentional torts, right? So you either have to try to figure out how you go after the business for the intentional tort, or you use something that the insurance policy would cover. And one of those things is negligent security, because now we're taking it back out of that intentional tort and we're moving it into a negligence claim right? Uh, something that we talk about all the time, car crashes, car crashes are negligence claims. Somebody did something by accident. Okay. Now I never use the term accident when we're writing demands or dealing with an insurance company. We use the term crash because well, somebody did or did not do something they should have done. Right. But for all intents and purposes, negligence means that it was an accident. So that's how we get around it. So we look at it and go, well, was this premises, was this, uh, this strip mall, was it safe, right? Were there enough lights? Should there have been additional security? Is this the type of place? So think uh, Ybor City, for example, 3 a.m. Ybor City. Uh, if I have a club there or a bar, 
yeah, I'm probably employing some bouncers and I'm probably employing some off-duty police officers. Why? Because I want to protect myself. Because that way, if something happens, I can go, hey, I had security in place, right? There is no duty to ensure that 100% of incidents don't happen, right? My duty is to minimize the potential for an incident and to minimize the effects of the incident, okay? So I don't think this was that. This sounds like more of a, a sleepy local type uh, hole in the wall bar where you're not going to have a lot of people. So do you need an actual physical security presence? Should the, the landowner have had an actual physical security presence, right? One of the things that we look at in this is how many incidents like this have happened, okay? Not necessarily this particular thing, right? Where an hour and 19 minutes go by and some guy is beating the crap out of another guy for an hour and 19 minutes. It's not what I'm talking about, right? Because that's a one-off. If we ever see that, in that, that place, again, I would be absolutely shocked, okay? But have there been fights there? Have there been almost fights there? Have there been issues in the past? And if there haven't been, much harder road to show that that business is at fault, right? Now, what I call in the question a little bit in this is a, a bar employee found the victim, right? So... If the story is that the bar employees left and went one way and these individuals went another way and we're in a fight for an hour and 19 minutes, how is it that the bar has been closed for an hour and 19 minutes and the bar employees supposedly all went one way and these guys went the other way? Well, how did this unnamed bar employee find this individual, find the victim? Okay, maybe it was the next day. I don't know, but it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it was shortly thereafter, okay? So that could create problems because, hey, maybe they should have known about it. Maybe they should have stopped it. Now look, Florida doesn't have a duty. Florida doesn't require people to have a duty to stop something that is happening, okay? So you see two guys fighting and you walk right past them. You don't have a duty to stop them, meaning that you can't be sued or found at fault for not stopping them. But where does that lie for a business, right? Does a business have different obligations? Yes, but how how far do those carry? And, and this is a jury question, right? This is, when we talk about things we look at, is this a jury question or is it a legal question? I think it's a, a jury question to go, how far does it extend, right? Because we're going to ask a jury of six people, seven, six plus an alternate, to Make that determination. And what should the bar have done? Should the bar have called the cops, right? Should they even have known about it? So it's really kind of an interesting thing to look at. But I think that the victim's family has a really tough road to go based on a negligent security claim. And that's what it appears that this is, is going to be on negligent security, that the bar should have employed a bouncer, okay? Would that have stopped an incident that happened after hours? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not because, hey, that bar is closed. Everybody's gone. How long is that that bar that uh, that bouncer required to stay? I would say not long, especially in a, a sleepy type bar where 3 a.m. There's you know maybe three to five people in the bar. They all go. They get in their cars and go home, or you know hopefully they get an Uber and they're not actually jumping in their cars and driving after they've been drinking all night. But I guess that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Uh, but 
I, I think that's a very hard road to go. But I do think there may be another way to chop this up. And it's a relatively, uh, it's a law that's not used a whole lot because it's a really, really difficult law to apply. And Florida has what's called dram shop laws. And what a dram shop law says is essentially that you as a bar owner and a bar and a bartender have an obligation not to overserve people. Okay. Now we'll go back and sorry to use Ybor City as kind of uh, the place that we're beating up on a little bit, but you know, you go to Ybor City and the chances of that bartender knowing you seem to be very slim. Okay. Now I, I've been in Tampa since college. So I spent some nights in Ybor City. Okay. Now that I'm older, I, I don't generally go to Ybor City at night. Um, but that's just because the bar and club scene is not my scene anymore. Right. But when you go and you're in college and you're there, that part, that bartender doesn't know who you are. There's a massive crowd of people there. Right. So dram shop laws are actually tough to apply in those scenarios because they're very, very stringent. You essentially have to know the person. Okay. And in the case that we're talking about, it's said that these bartenders knew both of these guys by name. Okay. And it's not, the law isn't necessarily that you have to know these people by name, but if you know them by name, they've been in there long enough, right? They, not necessarily long enough in the day, but, but they go there often, right? So, you know, their drinking habits and you should be able to pick up on, are they an alcoholic? And if they're an alcoholic, are they drinking too much? Are they drinking to excess? Right. And that's where the dram shop law comes into play. And I think that may honestly be where this case should head is under a dram shop piece, because if you can prove that that bartender knew that this person has a history, okay, or at least comes in there and, and can show maybe not necessarily a history of that person's an alcoholic, but that person comes in and they drink to excess and they drink more and they drink more and they drink more. But hey, we're a bar and all we care about is our bottom line. So we're going to keep serving you and keep serving you and keep serving you. Well, let's say that's happened. And let's say that that was the cause of the fight. Okay. What if over serving was the cause of the fight? I think that has a lot more legs from the legal aspect, right? Because, hey, bartenders, they have a duty and an obligation to be able to look at you and go, you've had too much. You shouldn't drink anymore. All right. Their duty isn't just to blindly pour you drinks. Their duty and obligation is to make sure that they don't overserve you. Now, have I necessarily seen this play out for a fight in a parking lot? No, not necessarily. So it'd be really interesting to see how it plays out. The problem is you don't see this a lot because you don't get the stars to align in a way, generally speaking, for this to work, right? Every once in a while, I'll get a DUI car crash case. And we'll go and we'll look and we'll try to see, can we turn this into a dram shop case? Most times it's no. Okay. Actually hundred percent of the times that I've worked DUI cases, the answer has been no. We've had some that have been really close, but really close isn't good enough, right? It's like the old saying, uh, close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Close isn't good enough. When we're talking about dram shop, you have to check every single box. And I would, I would challenge whoever is working on this to, to take a look, 
take a look and see if you can make a dram shop case out of it because I think that's going to be the stronger case. So you you bar owners out there kind of be cognizant of that, right? It, it's it's this thing that sits here in the background that no one ever really talks about, right? And look, I don't own a bar, so I don't know if maybe this is a concern that bar owners actually have, okay? But on, I know on the legal side of it, I know it's something that we look at, right? So two guys go into a bar, they get plastered drunk, and then they go out, go out and get in a fight, and they go to your bar a lot. That would be where my concern would be. I don't see a bar in this scenario having having a, any liability for the fight from a, a security aspect. Okay. Now look, at the end of the day, is that insurance company likely to pay out or at least make some offer to pay out? Yeah, most likely so. Okay. In a lot of aspects, it's a business decision. Okay. We're going to pay defense attorney X number of dollars and we still may lose. Right. So we have to be cognizant of that. We have to know that somebody died in this. And if this goes to a jury, we are highly likely to have sympathy from a jury, even though juries are only supposed to look at the law. We're dealing with human beings, not robots. So you're going to automatically get that sympathy, even though they're going to get a jury instruction that tells them not to, right? That they are just to follow the law. And it's not, it's not meant to be sympathetic. You're going to get that, right? I think death cases come down to that a whole lot more, right? Anytime you're dealing with a wrongful death in any, any way, shape or form, juries are going to be more sympathetic and are, I think are less likely to follow the law than if the person survives, right? And the person's alive. So that's, that's what I would look at there. I, I don't think that the business owner is the bar owner is going to have an issue. Uh, I, I think that the landowner the person who owns the parking lot, the strip mall, that whole parcel of land, they may be, but I think it's going to come down to what security measures have you put in place? Because if you've put enough security measures in place, you're probably good to go. Now, begs a bigger question of how does this go unseen for an hour and 19 minutes? I don't know. Okay. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing. Now, I can tell you from working midnight shift at the sheriff's office, that time period around say three to four thirty ish it's it's kind of a, a dead period if you will no, no pun intended on that but that's th it's really quiet okay the the people who are you know regular average joes they're sleeping all right the people who are out doing bad things they're generally sleeping by then um you know they've done whatever they're gonna do by about two thirty three o'clock and they've gone home and gone to bed um or they've gone somewhere and gone to bed but be that as it may, that period is usually pretty quiet. So that may be why this could go on for an hour and 19 minutes. Maybe truly nobody was around, right? Maybe it was opportunistic that they chose a place to go where nobody would find them, right? Maybe they engaged in this fight together, right? Maybe they go, hey, I got beef with you. Oh, I got beef with you. Let's fight. Maybe. Right. We only have one side of the story on it. So we don't know if that was the case. And if that was the case, right, that these guys go, hey, I don't like you. I don't like you. Let's fight. All right, let's do it. You don't have a case. You don't have a negligence case. You don't have a security case. Probably don't even have a dram shop case. Maybe. Right. You might be able to turn that dram shop case to stand on its own. Right. But 
what we would call on the law enforcement side, mutual combat. If you engage in mutual combat, you've brought that on yourself. Okay. Now, look, we probably won't ever know if that's what happened, right? I, I think we have security uh, video footage of it. I don't think there's any audio footage. Um, although I, I, they have the quote somewhere from the guy. So I don't know if he confessed to that or if it was heard. Um, but be that, be that as it may, who knows what led up to that? Is there anything that excuses that? No, there's really not. An hour and 19 minutes is a long time. Okay. Uh, and I believe actually he may have taken whatever uh, was in the guy's pockets because his pockets were turned inside out. So I um, believe that would have been, would have been gone as well. And look, the state attorney's running with it. It is still an active criminal case. I believe they are seeking the death penalty in it. Um, if not, I I'm, would imagine it'd be life in prison, but be that as it may, really bad story, really bad end result. I, I think this one though lies more in the criminal aspect and let the criminal courts figure it out. Is there any real civil liability? I don't think so. So bar owners, hey, keep in mind, Dram Shop is out there. If you want to discuss it, give me a call and uh, we can walk through some of those things. Uh, one of the things that I always like to be able to do here is uh, educate those who are listening and you know maybe we can help make things better and safer for everybody. So, hey, maybe if by educating bar owners about things, maybe that hurts the personal injury business some, but it stops people from getting hurt. Hey, I'm all for that. Okay. I'm not out here praying and hoping for people to get hurt, right? It's quite the opposite. So, um, like I said, if you're a bar owner, you're a business owner, you want to maybe discuss some strategies of how to better protect yourself so that you don't end up in a lawsuit. Hey, I'm all ears. Give me a call 855 law father. And you can always email me too, lawfather at tampalawfather.com. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is the last show in the original law father headquarters. So, kind of bittersweet. I know I've said it a couple times. I know, I know we had a little, little bit of a construction issue. I suppose, uh, that's been kind of the name of the game in 2020. Uh, but now that we're in 2021, hopefully no construction issues. Now I, I went and uh, saw the place a couple days ago and it is about 99% ready to go, uh, and should be fully buttoned up today, which is Monday. We'll be moving in Tuesday, uh, so you can check us out there. Uh, we're actually right behind Tijuana Flats, and it's Rome between Cleveland and Platt. So check us out there. Check us out on the show. Also, check us out on social media. I try to put up some good information up there and some interesting posts. So check us out on all those different places. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And from the last time in the original Lawfather headquarters, Lawfather out. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. To me, it sickens me in my stomach when I see millionaires, and Mitch McConnell's a millionaire, don't think he ain't, okay? Millionaires, and don't ask me where they get their money. I know where they get their money, but it's not documented. When they are bickering about $1,400, I feel like saying, are you kidding me? Four, 14, we're going to, we're going to bicker this long over $1,400. Listen, I'm not going to get a check. Okay. But how many people raise their hand where $602,000 is going to change your life one way or the other, either way. Listen, I get that people need the money. No, that's not, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I get it. But why should millionaires be bickering week after week after week and not come to a conclusion? Let a poor person vote. 
let a poor person vote, okay? First of all, it should be $2,000, period. I, I don't give a, it should be more. Because what is it? What are we going to do? Print the money? I mean, we own the United States. It's our money. It's, we own the mint. Forget about our deficit, okay? It, that's not a real number. Print the money and get people out of these situations. Go to bar owners. Go to restaurant owners. Hand them over a check, please. In that situation, give every restaurant owner, any bar owner, $10,000, the ones that are hurting. And they're all hurting. Every last one of them is hurting, no doubt. Guarantee that goes a long way. $600 for anybody struggling? You know, $600? That's what you, that's what you guys came to the conclusion of $600? You can find Ian Beckles Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.